Let's get political, Time for politics here on Radio One Ninety One FM, and this morning it's just myself and John Moore. Morena to John. Morena, just the two of us. Just we can make it if we try. We can. Mm, we can. You and I. You and I, John. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's been uh, once again another big week in politics uh, mm. around the world, and we'll get down to what's happening in the United States really soon. But first, we're going to start off with what's happening at home, and of course, the big story of the week, only because Labour's detracting from what they're really doing. Uh, but there is two big stories, to be honest, and the nurse is a big one, but also yes. I guess the big one is uh, Jacinda Ardern. Um, she's had a new baby uh, in, a, in a public hospital, mm. you know, with nurses on the wards. I wonder what mm. they're like going. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, little whispers in her ear, give me more money! They didn't set up a picket outside her room? No, <laughs> no, they didn't. But uh, congratulations to her and Clark. Uh, Absolutely. Having, having a new baby girl. The nation is beaming with pride. Uh, the world's media uh, is loving it. You know, it's it's, mm. it's almost like a royal baby, you know. Yes, New Zealand's first baby. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, only the second world leader to give birth while in office. The other one being ben- Benazir Bhutto, who uh, it was also Benazir's birthday yesterday. Oh, was it? Yes. Mm. So how's that, eh? Yes. That's quite amazing. Interesting. Yes, very interesting. Uh, and it, yeah, so it just happened to be Benazir Bhutto's birthday. Of course, uh, Benazir Bhutto was assassinated. Mm. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Just yeah, former former president of Pakistan. Yes, that's mm. right. Um, but you know, is it really? Is it significant, John? Uh, well, is, is it is it political? And um, I think in, in, in a wider sort of sociological way, it is. Yes, it, it, it represents um, uh, achievements that women have made uh, over the decades in New Zealand and, and globally. That um, you know, just over a hundred years ago, um, the ability of a woman to uh, have children and work uh, was very difficult, unless they came from, say, a very rich background where they could afford maids. Yes. Um, and, and even then, um, you know, richer women uh, often didn't work and have careers. Uh, so yeah, it, it. I think it does. Does represent a partial advancement in, in, in women's rights, uh, and, and um, yeah, I think we we should celebrate that mm. uh, that that it is an achievement that um, today a woman can uh, still work, have a career, and and, and um, to some less or greater degree carry out those well I say this traditional roles of of a woman hmm. and and also the fact that um Jacinda's partner Clark is actually going to be the the home carer. Um, I think that you know it's a reverse of traditional roles, and, and, and that's again a model that um, it doesn't have to be uh, uh, the woman that stays at home and is a primary caregiver. Yeah. Uh, that that um, that men um, or transgender people say can uh, can play that role equally. Yes. Well. Yes. Uh, and and like you said, there is a, b- a big difference between now and a hundred years ago. But I mean, is this anything new within the last couple of decades? I would argue, really. N- uh, well, you know, mm. not really. I think yeah. it, w- what's new is in terms of um, the ethics and morals and sort of ideology around uh, uh, what women are expected to do. So um, I- I'd say like a decade or at least a couple of decades ago, uh, th- there would be questions around women taking on a leadership role. Uh, and remember Helen Clark 
got a bit of flack for not having children, and she she made it clear that she um, chose not to have children, as I understand it, because she uh, wanted to put her career first. And mm. I think a, uh, a a lot of women in the past have made that decision and have size for it. Yeah, you know, the, the, the the implication that they're not carrying out their natural duties to be mm-hmm. a mother, which is you know a ridiculous position. But yeah, but I think now, and I think the fact that we've seen no backlash virtually no backlash to Jacinda Ardern having a child, uh, being pregnant while leader of the country. Well, there shows was, a, a, a there was at the beginning. In. There was when she announced being pregnant. Yeah, there were, there were a couple of questions asked by the media about the idea, did she want to have children? Uh, and so there were accusations that uh, media spokespeople were being sexist and misogynistic. There's some difficulty there because she actually, um, uh, before she became leader of the Labour Party, had had raised that issue herself um, in the public. Yes, yes. So you could say it, it was arguably uh, uh, the media was right to ask those questions when she had actually mm. pushed the issue herself. There but was, it's a difficult one. There was a lot of assholes on the internet as well. Yeah, so we, we, we have seen a, a rise in the sort of new male supremacist movement. Uh, some people call them uh, like the incel movement. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, involuntary celebrate, celibate. What's the term? <laughs> Involuntary celebrate males, males who who uh, heterosexual males who who feel because of the the rise of feminism and women's rights that they don't have women available to them anymore. Mm. So we've got this whole sort of rise of a, a toxic masculinity that that often is itself in the underground elements of the internet and sometimes comes out into the public as well. Yes, and, and certainly did uh, around the time that she did uh, announce the pregnancy and like, you knew the whole time and mm. you, you, you know, you're hoodwinking the country during the election when you <laughs> knew you weren't going to be there and blah, blah, blah. But blah. I think those people are on the periphery and increasingly so, and that's a good mm. thing. Mm. Um, yeah, um, so I mean, and uh, I, I wonder what will come of it. Um, you know, are we going to see, uh, you know, because there is a fear uh, amongst some women going into the workforce mm. that even if they, you know, that they have to choose between one of the two, mm. you know, or the, the fear that they won't be able to advance further on in their careers mm. uh, if they are seen, look, oh, you, you're eventually probably going to get pregnant and you're eventually going to want to mm. have time off. And, you know, there is always that, that kind of... There is that fear, and, and it's totally justified. Yeah, and even though you're not allowed to legally discriminate uh, if you're an employer uh, in terms of um, between men and women, and, and you're not allowed to ask questions about uh, that, that woman, whether she wants to have children or not, um, of course uh, an employer can discriminate, mm. uh, but just not be blatant about it. Um, and so I think there is a there are still real barriers to um, equality here. Yeah. Uh, and I guess um, it's interesting that Jacinda Ardern in a previous interview uh, did did make it clear that she saw herself in a privileged position that she has a partner who can stay at home mm-hmm. and, and take care of the child full time uh, you know obviously she's on a pretty good wicket in terms of her salary yes. so uh, they can survive more than survive easily on one salary but that's not true for the majority of people out there uh, it's very diff- it would be very difficult for uh, let's say um, if there's two partners in a relationship for one to stay at home full time and the other one to work full time and to be able to survive financially Mm. Um, so uh, one could argue that in terms of ideology 
uh, those barriers don't exist anymore. There's not some sort of uh, sexist, misogynistic ideology that's dominant out there that says women should stay at home and choose between a career or having children. But materially, there's there's still real barriers, and I guess that's the question: what what material changes can be made to make to make uh, equality a, a real reality? Mm, mm, mm. And I, I, you know, I, there's a lot of talk about uh, expanding paid parental leave. Mm. And perhaps that will come of this mm. as well. Yeah. So. Um, uh, um, yeah, pay parental leave is, is one area where it makes it easier for um, uh, women to have children and carry out a career. Uh, and but also, um, I guess um, you know the cost of childcare, even though childcare ostensibly is heavily subsidised, if not ostensibly free. So expensive. In reality, yeah, there are lots of costs, and there's a shortage of childcare, and there's not there, there's not childcare on demand. Yeah. So there's not childcare that, that a mother or father or a, um, uh, people with children can access childcare 24 hours mm. a day if they want mm. for free. Mm. And that's what I would argue that we need. You know, this this is a time where people are suddenly advocating more radical ideas, and I I think uh, you know what one real substantial change would be um, 24-hour quality childcare on demand uh, would be a, a radical material solution that, that would push t- towards real equality, yeah. would make that the opportunity that Jacinda Ardern has uh, to have a career and have a baby, would make that a reality for potentially everyone. Yeah. See, um, we're really privileged at home because I finish work at 12 mm. every day, so I can be there to pick up the kids from school sure yeah you know at three o'clock mm. and go home and you know do all the things yeah, that, that's a real, that, that a parent uh, yeah. does mm. you know and, and that's what i do um so uh with with the birth of um the baby girl and i'm so i'm so stoked it's a girl um there is uh a new acting prime minister but we've been here before it's like the media is so insane about this stuff they're like <laughs> what's gonna happen with winnie in charge everything's gonna go insane well it's interesting yeah that, that, that there is a concern coming out of the media but <laughs> there was a recent poll that showed that 80 percent believe peters would do a good or okay job well isn't so, he above uh, bridges and preferred prime minister yeah. stacks anyway <laughs> like, i mean come on so yeah uh but i think um Jacinda Ardern's been very clever in, in, in sort of uh, um, sort of uh, pushing back on any concerns. So if, I was, if I was winning, I'd be a little bit pissed <laughs> off with her, to be honest. Because <laughs> even she was making it like, I'm not going to do it. I'm, he's not going to be in until I walk in that bloody door. I'm no yes. for any longer than he has to be. And, and she it, says she'll be available any time for phone calls and she wants to see major documents, etc. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes. I'm also kind of like, I feel, you know, I don't often feel sorry for Winston, but I kind of feel a little bit <laughs> Sorry, like everyone just think you know we're going to go to hell on a ham handbasket. Although he's economy. handled it pretty well, you oh, know, yeah. someone who's seen as a traditional masculine guy, you know, he's able to handle a, you know, a, a woman, strong woman leader, uh, you know, um, being well, under her control. Well, it's not the first time, of course. Oh, yes, with Helen Clark. Mm. Yes, mm. and yeah. uh, uh, no, not Helen. Well, Sh- Shipley. No, he was gone no, before that, he wasn't was he? Gone, yeah, yeah. She but, but yeah, her with, coup he him. was in a coalition government with Helen. Yeah, Clark. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I yeah, Winston's going to be in charge for six weeks. I mm. don't see much happening. 
No, and I think um, I would imagine that Jacinda Ardern has made it very clear to Winston that he's not to make any major decisions or implement any major changes. <laughs> and, of course, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, she'll uh, within the cabinet she's got all her colleagues that will uh, be keeping him under control yep. and uh, be on the phone pretty quick to Jacinda if uh, Winston is out of line. Mm-hmm. Be good news for Northland next six weeks. There'll be good things <laughs> coming, no doubt. Um, let's move on to what's happening in the United States right now. Um, or US of A, or is it Gilead? I'm not quite sure what we call it at this point in time. Um, Trump's uh, hard lines on uh, non-documented migrants. Uh, the US pulling out of the um, the UN. Human, uh, rights Human Rights Council and the trade wars, mm. tariffs being put up uh, against China, uh, against the EU, the EU and China pushing back with tariffs, mm. like the EU is putting tariffs on Levi's <laughs> and Harley Davidson's <laughs> and all the Americana American products, mm. which I think is hilariously brilliant. Um, very symbolic. Oh, very, <laughs> it, well it is, it's great. Um, but that's been going on all weeks, but I guess we're going to, you know, we're going to focus um on what's happening uh, at the border with Mexico, mm. uh, and, and and this in, its, in itself, um, I think you can uh, kind of cross over, cross crosses over with the U.S. Uh, US pulling out of the Human Rights Co- mm. um, Council as well. Even though a lot of that, I think, may be focused on what's going on in mm. Israel, also. Um, but um, the borders, you know, we we saw separation of children from the caregivers in the news. Um, they're in cages. Um, you know, with this, with with buddy uh, rescue blankets, um, mm. a hard line on uh, and a hard enactment of an Obama era policy. Yes, and that's one. A lot thing of people forget that we yeah. shouldn't forget. Mm. Yeah, so people have been uh, rightly shocked by these images of of children uh, separated from their parents in cages. So, uh, in the last few weeks, there's been more than 2,300 minors separated from their families. So these are families who have crossed, illegally crossed uh, the Mexican-American uh, border, border and then have been interned. Ironically, one of the first images to, to go viral uh, of two children in a cage was actually from the Obama era. Mm. Um, uh, children were, um, um, yes, literally put in cages under the Obama era if they had crossed the border by themselves. Uh, if they had crossed the border with their parents and they were kept in cages with their parents mm. in turn with their uh, caregivers. So yes, th- th- this is a policy uh, that has been going going back to the Obama era. Um, what is different is that, yeah, uh, Trump has been uh, pushing hard on this policy that parents and children will be separated. He's claimed that this that this was um, that he had no choice legal, legally that this was uh, law put into effect under the Obama regime, but that's a lie. Yeah, that was an absolute. Lie. That's an absolute lie, uh, and and he's actually stepped back on that. So it shows you that. Um, pressure from from the public uh, from other nations from the media can have an effect on Trump yeah that was um, a, that was actually quite amazing mm. to see and a little, little bits of hope there yeah um, but you know even the Republicans were pushing hard against this mm. uh, you saw Ted Cruz organizing um, you know uh, a big campaign against it um, and he's been traditionally kind of hardlined on the, the border as well mm. although he I think he's from the south of the border if I'm not he was. Yeah, in, uh, I think his, his, his parents lived in Mexico for a period, mm. but he's not uh, 
he's not ethnically Mexican. Oh, I thought he yeah. was. Uh, his parents were un. Or may, uh, yeah, maybe I'm wrong on that. Actually. Mm. Anyway, anyway, um, you know. But then you had uh, Jeff Sessions coming out and saying it's all in the Bible, uh, <laughs> which was quite interesting. <laughs> God, Sessions, eh? Oh my God! Yes, the Bible says the laws have to be abided yeah. by. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it says a lot of things. A lot but, of. I things. mean, Jesus Christ was never arrested and interned, was he? No, <laughs> no. Now these are really. I mean, it was really hard line, and it's really terrible. Um, and you know, it's a it's a huge deterrent, and one that they're obviously putting in an executive order now, and and it's not going to happen anymore. Mm. Um, but are they right to take really hard line steps? I mean, they do have thousands and thousands mm. of undocumented migrants heading into the country every mm. year um, to find a better life for themselves. Yeah, you know, they do, uh, and and they see that as a big problem. And I would imagine the majority of New Zealanders, if it was happening here, um, there would be a lot of Kiwis out there saying, you know, mm. we have to stop this as well. We're an isolated island mm. in the middle of nowhere where no one can get to um, but if we had tens of thousands of people streaming into New Zealand every year I wonder what the Kiwis would be thinking. Yeah so we're getting into a more difficult area here politics and philosophy that uh, should people have the right to to live and work uh, wherever they like in the world should there effectively be open borders mm. uh, and and uh, I'd say the majority of people who are um, who are shocked and, and, and screaming out against um, Trump's policies would actually be for border controls, mm. and not for open borders. Uh, so then the question is: Well, uh, if a state has the right to maintain its borders, um, uh, uh, what steps should it take to um, to? to push for those controls? Should it be able to arrest people who illegally cross the border? Uh, should it be able to round up uh, non-migrant workers, uh, non-documented migrant workers mm. uh, in its own country? And I, I think these are all important questions and we shouldn't presume just because someone is for border controls and immigration controls that they're a racist and they're xen a xenophobe. Yes. I think that's unfair. I think we should have a, an open and thorough uh, debate about these issues. But there is also a radical left position uh, and also a radical right libertarian position that um, in, a, in a world where, where capital uh, can easily flow across borders, although, as you said, Trump is putting some barriers in place the, even in terms of capital being able to yes, flow, yes. in terms of um, um, uh, tariffs, etc., on goods coming from China. But in a general situation where the world has opened up globally, mm. where capital and investment can flow easily around the world, shouldn't workers be able to uh, shift from one country to another um, if they like? And it, I think that's a legitimate argument as well. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I, I guess there's... There's, there's concerns that, um, you know, well, there's a contradiction here in terms of that if you believe in the right to self-determination, that, that, that um, nations of people have a right to their own country uh, and their own borders um, and, and shouldn't be controlled by another country. So, you know, this came after the First World War, this idea of the right of nations to self-determination. Mm -hmm. um, one way that a country determines itself is by having uh, police borders. So um, if you're arguing for open borders, you're really arguing for the end of nations. Yeah. And I think people who advocate open borders have to be honest about that, mm -hmm. that it would lead to a complete breakdown of the nation-state system. And maybe that would be a good thing, but yeah. that would be the consequence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, there's a lot of interesting things here. I mean, a lot of um, these undocumented migrants, these human beings, um, they're going into land that was traditionally their land as well. 
Mm. Um, you know, there's a, a big swathes of yeah, Mexico. there's lots of ironies. Yeah, yeah there yeah. is a huge, yeah. huge I ironies. Mean, Texas was part of um, uh, uh, Mexico in the past. Yeah, um, California, uh, yeah. New Mexico. I mean, the reason we have names like Los Angeles, Las Vegas, mm. the, the, the Latin Spanish names. Mm. Yeah, yeah. City yeah. of Angels. Um, you know, and, and plus, you know, with Trump's new policies on tariffs and bringing jobs back to America, a lot of those jobs are leaving. Latin American nations mm. and Central American nations leaving Mexico and going back. I mean, we saw mm. Fisher and Paykel close down in Dunedin and a plant of F- Fisher and Paykel open in Mexico. One in Mexico, mm. one in Thailand. Mm. That's where the jobs are going. Now, if you're going to take those jobs away from them, mm. and they're going to be even less jobs and they're going to try, you know, mm. it, it's, there's just so much going on. Mm. Yeah, and so yeah, I think it's, yeah, that's important to point out that the, the, the relationship between, uh, say, economics and the push for economic protectionism now and the push for uh, uh, pushbacks on immigration and non-documented migrants it's all related Mm. and it's all part of this um, I guess it's a backlash to globalisation partly uh, that that, uh, especially in the West uh, um, large amounts of people feel like they haven't benefited from globalisation quite the opposite uh, especially lots of working people Um, and 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 the left hasn't really come up with solutions to to solving those problems, you know, deterioration and in, in, in living standards, uh, deindustrialisation de- of of areas like the Rust Belt mm-hmm. or like Dunedin. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Cambridge closing down, Fisher and Pike closing down. So the left never really come up with um, a, a stance on how to reverse that or or to solve the problems around globalisation. So the rights come up. Yeah. said, well, we've got solutions, you know, populist nationalist solutions. We're mm. going to pl- heavily police borders. We're going to put up um, protectionism policies such as tariffs. Um, it, it, and they are real solutions, and, and Trump is actually implementing them. So in a way, that this is an age of the populist right, populist nationalist right, mm. which I think is scary yeah. and dangerous. But um, uh, I guess I have sympathy for for people who have been cut out of the benefits of globalisation, who haven't really been given a voice by the left, yeah. uh, by parties that in the past called themselves working class parties like Labour, yeah. but don't really anymore. And so they're turning to this, these populist right demo- yeah. demagogues. Oh, well, but they've been left out in the, in, in the wash for years. Yes. You yeah, know, for decades. and and, yeah. they, and they've been screaming for help for a long time, mm. and nobody's come to aid them. No, so they're grabbing it themselves, mm. uh, and they're doing it with with you know nationalist ideals and mm. ideas because they're the people that are speaking to them and saying you know we're going to make it better for you, and we have real concrete solutions. Yeah, so they're mm. going that way. I mean, it, mm. it's it's a beast that's be, been created by. Um, globalisation and, yeah. and capitalism and, and, we had a and the left and the right yeah because we had a consensus really amongst parties of the left and right uh, that globalisation was a good thing that po- uh, pulling down barriers to, to trade and the, the flow of capital mm. was a good thing so both Labour and National in New Zealand have, have fully signed up to the globalisation agenda to free trade um, um, uh, agenda um, and, and, and deregulating the economy we've seen that with the Democrats and Republicans in America America. We've seen yeah. that with the Social Democrats and Christian Conservatives in Germany, with the Conservatives and Labour in Britain. Uh, and so um, suddenly people who have been left out yeah. and are hurting, yeah, as you said, are turning to these populist uh, nationalist um, right-wing parties and mm. figures like Donald Trump or, yeah. um, or UKIP for a while in Britain and, and support for Brexit. So yeah. it's... 
one thing that annoys me is that there's this idea on the left, on the liberal left, that the people who are voting for Trump or voting for Brexit or voting for Front National in France are doing so because they feel their privileges, their white uh, male privileges, are under threat. Uh, whereas I see the opposite is the case. There's some truth in that. Yeah, um, absolutely. But uh, these are actually people who have been hurting, who have lost their jobs or had their conditions slashed, their pay levels slashed. Uh, so it's quite the opposite. It's, it's really a situation where uh, people are crying out in pain and they're, they're suddenly turning to these quite um, yeah, dangerous nationalist figures mm. for mm. a solution. Yeah, and you know, and, and when you get those, um, you look at those people for for solutions. You might start to take on some of those ideals that are exactly, negative. exactly. Yeah. You know, so uh, and, and so with those conditions, those kinds of thoughts um, can rise up from from it because mm. you know, I mean, you you see it. Um, you know, a young youth never had a family, no one ever to take care of them, a young white youth, uh, and, and maybe a skinhead gang might, you know, mm. be their new, become their new family, yeah. and they'll take on those ideals. They weren't born with them, and, mm. but they'll eventually take them on, and you mm. see that. And th- th- this, I think, works in the same kind of way. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a general rise in radicalism. So we, we see it with disenfranchised workers who, uh, say, white workers, white working class uh, um, increasingly turning to populist nationalists mm. you know feeling disenfranchised but we all we see it across the board so we see it with um, say uh, disenfranchised communities in India uh, mm. increasingly supporting Hindu nationalism yes. we see it with uh, disenfranchised Muslim communities in the in the West increasingly um, turning to a more extreme form and conservative form of, of Islam um, and so, so it's across the board really that uh, that there's a sort of global crisis of identity, yep. of one's sort of material position. Uh, people are feeling very vulnerable, and so they're, they're, they're crying out for sort of more radical, substantial solutions. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, we've got to come up with other solutions to counter that. Exactly. Uh, and yep. we're not. And, no. um, and you can pin it all on capitalism in the end, yes. really, can't you? Yeah. Um, so and I think just saying, uh, let's have open borders and let everyone roam free, uh, uh, although that's a very nice utopian ideal, uh, just advocating that isn't going to resonate with the majority of people. No. Uh, quite the opposite, and it, 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 it will possibly fuel sort of xenophobic and racist ideas even more. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I guess in another way, what, uh, another big problem is um, these uh, with nationalists and, and the right is they look down on people that try to come up with solutions to the academics as the enemies as well. Yes, you know? yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so... I don't it know is how, hard. Well, I know. think unions have a really important role here yeah. uh, to say, OK, we've got all these... Um, let's say in America, the union should say, well, we've got all these undocumented workers here. They are actually contributing to our society. Oh, but let's yeah. bring them within, within the union movement, within uh, the collective sort of body of the union movement where... Where um, where American-born workers and, and foreign workers, whether they're in America illegally or not, can actually sort of start cooperating together and, and, and pushing for better wages and conditions mm. and, and stopping that process of deindustrialization. Yeah. So yeah. I think yeah, um, I don't think we can expect um, solutions from governments, but I, I think uh, within civil society, these organisations that can play an important role to sort of bring these disenfranchised communities together. Oh, if you brought them together, mm. that's a big force. Yeah. That's a huge force. Yeah.
uh, especially mm. within um, the Western United States. Mm. And, and for unions to tell, uh, say, um, native-born workers that it, it, it's not immigrants that are lowering your wages and lowering your working conditions, it's, it's, it, it's bosses and, and, and it's governments. Mm, mm. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, thank you so much. Um, thank you, Jamie. Just one last thing. Is this about what's actually happening or is the outrage more about Trump? I think it's both, because uh, uh, a lot of people who are screaming blue murder over Trump's policies to do with immigration and putting children in cages remain very silent when Obama was doing exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank you very much, um, John. Have yourself a wonderful weekend, my friends. See you Thanks again very next much. Week.